Hello and welcome to Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And this is the third most popular Raiders podcast on the internet, uh, brought to you from the filthiest storeroom hidden somewhere in Civic, the location of which we will never reveal, will we, Blake? No. Um, and it's brought to you with the dubious support of The Greenhouse, the Raiders' number one fan forum. Get on there and get engaging. And also, of course, by our primary sponsor, Land Speed Records. Come yeah. down and Who see... Who do you think paid for the microphones? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come down <laughs> here and buy musical stuff from people who think they're cooler than you. <laughs> and let's face it, they probably are if you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> Anyway, look, we've got a, a new listener of the week this week that we would like to know. Speaking of our, our, our we do this this week's uh, listener of the week is um, Peter Nugget Osborne, who's a real fixture at uh, Canberra Stadium or GIA Stadium or Bruce Stadium or whatever it's called. It's been there for a long, long time, and he always sits in the same spot with his mates uh, in Bay Fifty Seven, right in the corner. Um, and when Paul Gallen says that Canberra's the most hostile place mm-hmm. to come play at, and he's been called worse names in Canberra than he's ever been called in Queensland. I'd say, um, love this is going from Nugget and his mates because you can see that they're usually uh, getting stuck into the uh, opposition players. Forwards as they're warming up, um, forwards as they're coming off the field, mm. uh, anyone taking a goal kick from that side. So it's, they're very, very active supporters and um, also great supporters of the podcast as well, which, which is great. And I'll post a few pictures of... Uh, of Nugget and uh, some of his um, exploits over the years on the Facebook page, so everyone everyone can see and appreciate. Uh, he's famously pictured one of the people waving the um, the, the money at um, the storm at the storm at the storm and and uh, also another particularly um, interesting sort of story and, and and photos to share is he once famously did. Um, this painting that was like a fan art tribute to Josh Dugan, which mm. he had. There's a photo of him at the ground, and uh, after Josh Dugan left. That picture sort of met a bit of a sad, sad So go to the Facebook page or to our new form Blake and the Pork Twitter account, and uh, we'll post those pics, and you can see what I'm talking about. But anyway, good on you, Nugget. Uh, keep on supporting week. the Raiders, and uh, thanks for your support of the podcast. Excellent. Okay, well, so let's get back to the, the serious business of football, and um, really, there's really only one topic for all of us this week, and it's uh, the win over the Melbourne Storm on Saturday evening. In- incredible, um, absolutely amazing. Uh, you think about the great Raiders victories, you think about the games yep. that you remember in yep. 20, 30 years' time, yep. this is going to be right up there as one of, oh, yeah. one of one of the greatest. Oh, yeah. So, look, by about halfway through the first half, I'd uh, gotten a serious fight with the missus because I was in such a bad mood. I'd uh, made three mortal enemies on Twitter and blocked six people. I think I'd kicked the cat. I'd made the guest that we had over feel very uncomfortable about what was going on, and I was generally in a foul mood. So there's a lot of people apparently <clears throat> turned off the game at 18 mil. Well, I did flick around channels and then saw the Wallabies were getting absolutely <laughs> yeah. smashed it was like 27 by all blacks, and I went, "Oh, maybe I'm not the worst game in town." And then Bruce, who was uh, staying with us, said, "Oh, the Raiders have scored a try," and I thought, "Yeah, okay, we'll maybe go back and watch that." So when Josh Papali went across, I yelled so loud that I think I prolapsed as well as waking up Matthew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was you know it was the low the depths in that match I think to the heights wouldn't you say Blake? It was an incredible game because really at times we looked quite ordinary mm. you know and obviously having two players sent to the sin bin oh, yeah. was you know was was a big was a big factor in that and the fact that we came back from that is what makes it one of the, the greatest Raiders victories of all time. I mean, the Jack White and Sin Binning... Um, that was correct. I thought it was incorrect, and then I saw the replay and went, oh, oh no, that was fair. It's, it's, <laughs> you can do that. It's definitely happened before. There's a precedent mm. for oh, it. Yeah, yeah. And look, it was one of those ones where it's 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 a reaction from him. It's an it's mm. instinctive reaction, and you certainly don't hold anything against it for it. The uh, Jay Tarpany one is concerning, 
Um, he does have a long history of being it easily is. provoked. It is, and, and, and it's something that he has to he has to really knuckle down on because that can't be allowed to happen again and actually cost us a match. But the whole incident itself was something that uh, irritated me somewhat, and you might say it, it ground my gears, but we'll get to that at a later point. Your favourite moment in the match, Blake? Oh, I mean, Josh Papali going over was... Yeah, hard, was, to, was, you can't really, hard to beat that. You can't really go beyond beyond that. That was, you know, that was me and my son hugging on the couch and rolling around. <laughs> oh, it was me screaming at the top of my voice very, very loudly and, uh, and uh, yeah, possibly prolapsing. I mean, Papa's just been, he's just been so good, hasn't he? He has, he has. And I'll get to, get to uh, that particular incident later as well. Um, but uh, the Tarpanay ribs, that, uh, that wasn't so crash hot, was it, uh, going off of the ribs? He's out for this week as well. Um, a bit of a loss there, but we've got young Hudson Young coming in. Young Hudson Young. Young Hudson Young's coming in, and he is champion at the bit. He's come back through two matches in the Mounties. <laughs> he's ready to go. He's match fit. Um, he's going to be on the bench for this, but... Um, well, Ryan Sutton's probably done his best work at lock, though, as well. Yeah, he has, and, and he'll do 80 minutes. There's no problem with him. He's, he's now match fit, so he's not going to be a problem there. Um, a big shout-out to Corey Horsburgh, Big Red. He ran for over 160 metres. But it's not just that he ran for over 160 metres, it's the manner in which he ran them. He ran into the teeth of the gale, you know, if the storm can be said to be such thing. He went straight up into the tough stuff. The moment he came on, and he, kept, he had to do more minutes than he thought because of injuries and Tarpanay coming out, he rolled his sleeves up, the bloke, and he put everything in, and you could see these international and experienced storm players it was everything they could do to contain the redhead monster. And he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. I actually believe the turning of the tide happened with Corey Horsburgh turning that tide. One of the, the more disappointing moments in the match was when uh, Vunavali basically took the ball off Kotrick and scored the pass take it up to 18-0. But what people miss in that is the reason that incident happened was because Horsburgh ran up, draw, drew three players in in a great run, and then got a fantastic offload off at the yeah, back. Yeah. And we were down <clears throat> to 12 men at that particular point, And it created a two-on-one out the side. Now, if that ball actually hits Kotrick or Croker in a good way, if that pass is actually good that comes out, and I don't know who threw it, they're through. They're, it's a line break, and we're, we're breaking the line, 13 against 12. But unfortunately, it comes, and Vunavalu grabs it. It was Hodgson threw it. Was it? And yeah. It wasn't a great pass. No. And then Vunavalu... But then Kotrick, kind of, but Kotrick made it worse by trying to sort of kick it up with his foot or you know yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's basically kicked it straight into Vunavalu's that's right bread basket but then Vunavalu of course does the premature celebration which I think he'll now be deeply deeply regretting in that match who knows I don't like him at all never liked him it's very hard to like Celesi Vunavalu um, I don't like him very much either but Corey Horsburgh was fantastic the other thing that was great was the tough palms I mean are they tough I think they are oh 100% <laughs> They are so tough. They, 100, they... 100%. I actually, going into this game, and there was all the talk of the Melbourne Storm bumpers, mm. my like worst-case scenario was John Bateman's going to go in and he's going to get his jaw broken mm. by Buddy Big Nelson or mm. one of the other ones with a raised cocked elbow. Mm. Oh, yeah, and you remember back in the day Jason Croker getting sent off um, for doing exactly that, raising his elbow, going into a tackle, and just got straight sent straight off. I saw about four or five tackles with them going in with raised elbows. Well, the, most, no the, the most notable one was... The one on Caesar, yeah, and that was then Bateman got pissed off, and that's when he tried to pull Cameron Smith's face off, which of course has been the one that's been highlighted in light of well, the Cameron Smith. And this this is the thing that goes through um, the Melbourne Storms machine has been in overdrive since the pictures of him 
trying to compress Bailey Simonson's head um, between his vice-like arms in a tackle. Now, what you need to know from that tackle is that Cameron Smith actually changes his grip. So Bailey Simonson's already on the ground and Smith is trying to come in as his usual third man, second man flop to hold him down. Actually couldn't get a grip, so he changes his grip to put it on Simonson's head to make that manoeuvre. One of those, when you first see the initial still shots, it looks like 100% that he's just grabbing his ears and giving them a the twist. But when you actually see the video, mm. and there have been some ones with you know the, the sort of super zoom in video, you can, he does have jersey as well that he's mm. grabbing. Uh, no, I don't, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah. But the thing is, when you actually look at it, what he's actually doing is squeezing Simon's head between his, his hands. Yeah. There is no it's reason grubby. for it. There is no It's grubby. Reason like for I, like it I say, Cameron Smith's legacy will be forever tarnished. Yeah. Because when you think of, of the great players of play the game, mm. generally you think of positive things. But with him, all this stuff is going to be one of the first. When you reflect on his career and as magnificent as it's been, yeah. um, the grubby stuff is always going to be there. He's a grub. And that's the thing. All the great players, and he's going to be made an immortal. He, yeah. he's, oh, he sort of has to be, uh, it, it, because he has been that player. He, you know, it's Between 2008 and 2018, he has been the best player in the game. And there's been some bloody good other players during that time, but he has been the best player. And for the last 15 years, if you'd asked any coach, they could have build a team, anyone who would be the first person you pick, they would have said Cameron Smith. Some might still say it right now. Yeah. So that's the thing. He is a great player. No one's saying he's not a great player. The problem is, how many other players, when you've seen them be this good, this you know dominant in the game, have you seen bother getting into this type of shit? It's just, but it's just, it's just, this is the Melbourne Storm Ethos. modus operandi. Yeah, well, all this, just, all this rubbish. But it is, it's that, just utter rubbish. That's, that's, you know, been a blight on the game now for yeah. 15 years. Yeah, and, and people are sick of it, and now it's come out, and, you know, only the people with the most purple tinted glasses are, are trying to defend it. And the only thing they're doing to defend it isn't saying they didn't do it or didn't say it didn't Everyone happen. else is doing it. It's they're trying to point out that everyone else is doing it. So they went through the Raiders tape and managed to come up with one still picture that showed a Raiders hand on um, Will Chambers' face in a tackle, but no one would come out with a rolling vision. You know, it was just one hand on a face there. And a picture of John Bateman um, with his hands on Cameron Smith's cheeks. You know, in a situation where they're desperately trying to counter this bad press, that's all they've managed to come up with. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And it's basically saying, yeah, our shit might stink, but yours does too. So everyone's doing it. And it's like, dudes, you started it, you continued it, you didn't need to do it, but you're doing it to the point where we think you almost enjoy doing that. Anyway, the good thing is they're getting their comeuppance from it. And when Papali went over for that try, I think there wasn't just great celebration in you know the halls that are painted green, such as our own. I think there was a lot of other teams who have started to see... You know, oh, the I think I think, because... I think fans around the game cheered at that moment. Yeah, I think everyone did, and it was a wonderful time. And then, you know, it's one of those times where you know I was one of the few people. I'm not sure whether you were at the snow game in 2000. I was actually there. Now it's like the tide test in 1966. You know, there was you know 1,500 people actually there, but you know now 30,000 people claim that they were there on the snow day. I know there was. Chapo, I mean, put in, there was like 3,000 people there, but I doubt very much there was 1,500 <laughs> people there. Yeah. And, I, you know, like I can say I was there, but I wasn't freezing. I was in I was, box I next was to actually, heater. Yeah, well, I was watching it at home on TV because yeah. I had played soccer the uh-huh. previous day in the snow. Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, I was in no state to, to I was I was yeah. sore, I was cold, I was hungover, and I stayed home and watched on TV. So I won't pretend I was there. Okay. I was there at a lot of other very miserable crap. Yeah, crap yeah. days yeah. but I wasn't there that day so. well I, I was there on that day but like I said I was behind glass next to a heater so I wasn't exactly suffering from my telling heart. telling Tim Gable to shut the window uh, it was actually a shut window at that stage he couldn't open it when we were in the new box he opened it all the time but um, no he couldn't open that one uh, but it was with uh, I believe Paul Osborne was in the commentary box so it would have smelled like farts because that's the sort of thing that guy did Jesus. Um, he was wonderful man Paul Osborne wonderful I can't say anything good enough about him um you probably can't tell my sarcasm coming through the microphone at the moment, but please take that as complete sarcasm. Um, he's what the English refer to as a punish, our Paul Osborne. The man um, behind uh, Mel Meninga's brilliant, short-lived political career. Uh, yes. And you know the moment I really admired Mel Meninga in that was when he pulled the pin and said, nah, and he was just honest with everyone. Yeah. Well, Paul Voughton got into the ACT Legislative Assembly Paul based Osborne. on... Paul, sorry, yeah, Paul Osborne based on the fact that he was the hero of the 94 grand final. Mm. So all these people went, oh, I'll vote for Paul Osborne. And then they found out that he had a very Christian conservative agenda that he was pushing. Well, I'm not at liberty to comment in any way, shape or form on politics, so I'll have to end this conversation <laughs> at that point. Um, but yes, no, he was—he uh, only had one term, Paul Osborne, and I think that was one term too many. Yeah. Um, but the post-game <clears throat> celebrations we all saw on TV and the things, uh, I think, you know, there's going to be at least within their 1,500, 1,500 Raiders supporters who are at the ground celebrating in that corner like madmen. But I think in years to come, that number will inflate somewhere into the order of 10,000. Um, I know our man, AJ Mithen, long-time listener of the uh, the show, also uh, on the Raw Sports, a writer. Um, he was actually there, and he was wearing his Canberra Cavalry cap up the top. For some reason, I don't know, but he was doing that. But it looked wonderful, and when Sia beat the drum to make the Viking clap... Uh, that looked pretty good. That That's one of those nights to remember. I was actually at Melbourne Stadium for my first sideline when we beat them in 2012, and it was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. That was electric, and that's the sort of victory in those last minutes, coming back from adversity in that manner where you actually step on a... You know, like when you come back and you rally. It's not about beating the other side. It's proving to the other side that they haven't beaten you. Yeah. And that it's going to I take mean, the- more than that to beat you. And it doesn't just put Melbourne down saying, shit, we thought we had them, we should have had them, and make them check themselves a little bit like we checked ourselves after that, you know, losing an eight-point lead in the last two minutes against Penrith in Bathurst that time. It's not just the sort of thing that that does to the side where they question themselves and what they're doing, but it actually makes the side that wins from that position believe in themselves and actually say, we're not beaten. You know, we're not beaten. We've been scared all season that a lot of sides would say, it doesn't matter that the Rays in front of you, you can run them down. Yeah. Now it's in a position where if sides are in front of us, they're going to say it doesn't matter, it's the Raiders, we can lose it from here. And that in itself will make sides nervous. Well, the thing we didn't mention about the great victory as well is the fact that um, Melbourne have never lost before after being up 18 0 in a game. Yeah. And that includes in the dark days when they weren't winning matches before Bellamy came on board. Yeah. Well, they've they've never. And um, yeah, just once we got a roll on and we got the ascendancy, they. They didn't have that much, I didn't think. Mm. They, 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 they looked... The great thing about that game is, you know, odds are we're going to come up against them again in the semi-finals one way or another, and, and I think now we know we can beat them, and that's huge. 
Yeah, and, and that's that's a, a really good thing to know. But I, I also do think that anyone who counts the, the Melbourne Storm out after that win and thinks he got them down on the canvas is kidding themselves as well. I mean, that that's a side that will actually draw power from that. Their darkness will draw power from that their own despair, you know, and, you know, it'll embolden their souls to come out and be twice as nasty and determined. Yeah, they are cold play. souls because even if you look at that photo mm. of Cameron Smith when he's grinding uh, Bailey Simonson's ears and you, Bailey Simonson is clearly crying out in pain and anguish, it's just this cold, dead expression mm. on Cameron Smith's mm. eyes. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if he is just some sort of like borderline sociopath or something like that. I it might know. explain a few things. Don't know. Sociopaths and psychopaths do tend to be very successful in certain fields. Yeah, right. Well, his wife's got a nice ring. <laughs> <laughs> so you know any, anything could anything could come from that but now we've got to go to the Manly and the great thing about that win is it puts us in 30 points there is no world in which we can now miss the finals right no. so that's locked in we know that um, it's almost impossible not to get in the top six like yeah. the wheels completely have to fall out and things have to go really right for the Rabbitohs for Manly and the Eels for us to fall out of the top six right so that's looking pretty good but if we beat Manly this weekend and that is by no means a lay down by any stretch. In fact, I think this this match is at best 50-50 because Manly are coming for their top four spot and they want it and they want it bad. Um, we go into this game, though, if we had lost to the Storm, we would have gone into this game under tremendous pressure. Massive, massive. And I think that it's good to have, to have <clears> go, <throat> instead of going into this game being really stressed mm. about winning, well, we go in with, with great confidence. Yeah, you know, but I think, a real role. and I think last time because they beat us in that match up in round seven, um, where we were up twelve nil and we should have run away with it, and you know a few things went wrong. And look, there is no excuse for that match. Manly won that match fair and square. They had, they wanted it more. They That's had what I totally every excuse to lie down in that match. But when it and came lose. to it, they wanted it more. And Fainu went through the ruck. We haven't seen Jack Murchie back in the side since he missed those tackles yeah. around the ruck. But Fainu rose up. Let's not forget that DCE got injured in the 44th minute and yeah. went off. And they still held in and won there. Yeah, you can say there was this decision and that decision, but Manly wanted it more. They didn't have Turbo Tommy yeah. in the side that day. You know? They didn't have a few Well, he went off injured as well, didn't he? Didn't they no, no, no. He wasn't even in the side that, that day. No. And, and so the fact that they won it, I mean, you could go back and say complacency, but they played good football. They are a good foot... And I think that was the first sign... I think people wrote that match off a lot because they were thinking that um, the Raiders, you know, were pretenders still at that stage. Yeah. So of course, Manly get over them, but they still thought Manly were pretenders within that match. No, that was the game I thought, man, this is a legit team. This and is a you, legit you, team because we look... saw Ruben Garrick in that game, but well, they had Brendan Elliott at fullback in that yeah. game, and then they had young um, uh, Lachlan Croker. I know he actually on. had a good game. Great game, scored yeah. a try, set one up, which was great. Um, but, you know, you had um, Jolly T, one of the great Raiders men. Still loved by most of us, I would have said. Yeah. Um, i got no beef with Curtis Sirenham was great. Coruscant went off injured, and that's when Thano went through. But they had Sipley at prop rather than um, Fanua Blake. Yeah. So... I mean, even if you look at the team, the Manly team, into this game, hmm. there's half a dozen absolute star players. Yeah. And the rest of them are, are pretty much, you know... Bits and pieces players. Well, but look at the front row. You've got Tapao. Oh, the front row. Tapao is one of the best, yeah. four best front rows in the world. If you say who I fear in the Manly team, well, it's, it's Fanua Blake. Yep. 
you know, always does well. Yep. A lot of offloads. Yep. Same with T'Pau. Yep. Big meters and heaps of offloads. And fantastic in defense. Yeah. He's not just a show pony. He is a workhorse. Coruscant always seems to play well against us. He's a good player. Always carves us up. Uh, obviously, Jake Dubrovich. Uh, he's just, you know, you don't uh, want to put on the new Bradley Clyde tag on anyone. Yeah, but he's no. as, apart from Ben Kennedy, he's, he's as close as anyone's yeah. come, I would have um, said. Your man, DCE. Oh, I uh, love DCE. I'm looking forward to seeing him. Such a wanker, um, and uh, and and Tommy Turbo, Tommy Turbo, but and then the rest got, of them. Are, but uh, we've also got the reborn Dylan Walker out there, and he'll be trash talking because he knows he likes to trash talk, and he's got a new lease on life. Uh, Moses Suley, who's been dropped he beat, by he beat club. the he beat the charges, and he's back on the field. Yeah, he is. He beat the rap. He did. He beat the rap, and and uh, the NRL must be praying to God that Jack DeBellin doesn't. Um, you know, and then you've got Elliot now in the centres outside Moses Suley. Then you've got Tafur on one wing. He's playing football again. Ruben Garrick, who has to be in line for being rookie of the season. Um, it's been brilliant. You've got Turbo Tom at the back, who is just unbelievable. We've got Fainu on the bench, who we know has ripped us a new one already this year. Um, you've got um, Corey Waddell, who's, although only had 18 matches, has had 18 good matches. Then you've got Morgan Boyle. Um, who's played 51 games now and, and, you know, comes from Cabago, would you believe? Yeah, that's right, Cabago. That's not David Ball. Isn't it David Ball's son? Did he play for the Gold Coast? Um, he's come down, This is the guy who's come down from the Gold Coast. Was that David yeah, Ball's yeah. son? Um, and then you've got... I, I'm not sure who uh, Pasika is. He's played 23 games, but he's 120 kilos and 197 centimetres tall. Big unit. Yeah, I'd say he's pretty large. So, you know, you've got some big, big men in there. In their extended bench, you've got Lachlan Croker, Funa, you've got uh, Caden Cust, and you've got Parrott, um, Lloyd Parrott sitting down as well. So the extended bench is pretty good. We've got Soliola, Hodgson, Papali, um, uh, Whitehead, Bateman, and Sutton's coming in at 13, which is a pretty damn good pack. Um, but they'll have their hands full. Yeah. Because the Manly the manly pack yeah. is good. The only real hole in the Manly side is Jack Gossieski. Uh, I can't say his name. He's got a Polish last name. Starts with G, ends with I, has lots too many cons- consonants in there. Gossieski. Yeah, Jack Gossieski. He's actually pretty good. He's been playing well. Yeah, but is he John Bateman or Elliot Whitehead? No, no but if you, I went through, actually matched the two teams up, you know, man for man, did sort of like, you know, the skins type of yeah, approach. Yeah. And yeah, we've got them covered in most positions. Yeah, I think that I think the pack is pretty stinking even, and then in the halves, I think as well as Aiden Caesar is playing, and since he's been running the ball a lot more, God, he's looking a lot better, and his defence has been good. Um, but you've got to say DCE has got his measure there as the better player. Yeah, but I'd have Jack White over. I'd have Jack White over Dylan, Dylan Walker, Walker too. Yeah. Um, then you've got Leilua and Croker in the centres, which I think is better than Moses Suley and Brendan Elliott. Of course it is. We should and, talk about Leilua. And Kotrick and Rapana, I think, are better than their wingers. Yeah. And Nicole Klockstad might not be Turbo Tommy, but geez, he's got some heart in him, that boy, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, that was a, his mm. um, try-saving tackle mm. on Kenny Bromwich. You know, if they'd gone in there, that yeah. really would have probably been game over. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was as good a, you know, yeah. one-on-one tackle as you'll see. He just wraps himself around the ball yeah. like a so little bit. It, it was absolutely brilliant. And it was good because he'd had, he dropped a bomb yeah. just before. So, he, you know, he, he made up for it you know, the best way possible, yeah, saving yeah. a try. So, yeah, he's he's dropped a couple lately, which hopefully doesn't continue to happen because for so long there, he was save his houses. Yeah, I know, but he's going to have really good days and he's going to have some that are ordinary. But we, we still won that match and he's still his kick return metres are still outstanding. On our bench, we've got Simonson, who I thought looked really good coming on. 
Um, we got Louis, who's been doing a great job. We got Horsborough, who we've just talked up, and then we got Hudson Young coming in. Young Hudson Young. Young Hudson Young. <laughs> <clears throat> and then we got on an extended bench. We got Sam Williams. Do we Hibili, really need to cover the extended bench? Old, yeah, but what I'm saying is the extended bench. And this is one of the reasons. The last time we had this this expen- extended bench, we had Paul Vaughan, Sam Williams, and Sean Fensom on our extended bench. You I can, still <clears> I still look back on 2016 and think, how was Clay Priest picked ahead of Paul Vaughan? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. What maybe. did he do? Run over Ricky's cat? Have a feeling it was something to do with player bonuses with the amount of games you played. Because <clears throat> I've seen that stuff happen before. God, it's terrible. I don't know. I've never asked, but <clears throat> I've seen that sort of thing happen before. Sorry, I'm getting the, the Darren Lockyer croak in my voice again, people. <clears throat> so, it's, uh, it's You, you copped a stray elbow from Nelson Asola for Solomana. Yeah, straight bumper Is there. Is that Ch- Charlie chopped a, chopped a saucer in the throat? What's that one? Mad <laughs> yeah, Max? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bring the meat wagon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, references to 1970s movies, people. You should have got that one. Um, <clears throat> but um, so I personally think we're going to go out wide. We're going to go out early wide and try and expose them out in the backs for a change and see what we can do out there. Because in the centre, I mean, maybe I'll be wrong. I was completely wrong last time about the Roosters saying we'd go and you know, that's how we go through the centre and it was the outside backs where we should have gone. But I, I reckon we'll be going to the outside backs to try and expose the fact that, you know, our outside backs are better than theirs. Yeah. <clears throat> but again, just like the Roosters had someone in the James Tedesco position, the Seagulls have got someone in the Tom Trebojevic position. Yeah, great. They're great players. <clears throat> oh, great just players. superb. And what's more, the Turbo Brothers, and you know, you hate hearing this because they're in the Manly jumper and you want to hate Manly, but the Turbo Brothers, I swear to God... You, you'd let them look after your dog. Oh, out, out, outstanding, outstanding individuals. And um, the other thing I like about Tommy Turbo is he's about the only player you see these days with hairy legs. And is that's he, got to be admired as well. Is he? I've never, I, I'm going to look at his yeah, legs. Yeah, he's got hairy legs. He doesn't wax like all the other buddy new mm. age metros. <clears throat> and what's he wrong, just rocks the what's old wrong school. With, what's wrong with waxing? What's wrong with waxing? <laughs> These nostrils don't get this good without a little bit of wax. Uh, a big shout out there to the lovely ladies at Endota Spa who do my, deforest my nostrils on a regular basis for, to make my wife happy. So, you know, nothing wrong with a bit of wax. I'm not doing my legs, though. It's not going to happen. You're getting your nostrils waxed. Is that a serious thing? You should see how much hair grows out of the damn thing. Seriously, after three weeks, I've got like a forest coming out of it. Looks like the more I've got... you wax, the more it grows back, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, but I didn't know that the first time I did it. But it's better than putting a, a bloody pair of scissors up there and possibly chopping yourself. I'm not, not, not very dexterous. Hi, Alan Sung here, former Canberra Raiders captain. And you know what? I don't really listen to podcasts, but if I did, I'd probably listen to the third most popular Canberra Raiders one, Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. So we should we should talk about um, the briefly touch on the triumphant return of um, Joey Lelua. Well, how do you think he went? I was pretty impressed. He was gassed in the last ten minutes. He made his tackles. His his runs were pretty good. I thought Cameron Munster's attempt to bust his neck was pretty interesting in that tackle. Yeah, um, I mean he. If anything, you could say um, he was maybe a tad tentative, but I thought he would potentially be even more tentative than he was. I think but I mean, if you've come back from career threatening, yeah. um, life changing neck surgery, yeah. of all the teams to play first up, you wouldn't want to go up against no, the storm when you the, 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 the buddy, the neck crushes. Yeah. And that's what he got from, did you see the image of Cameron Munster coming no. down on his neck? Yeah, he did it. And it's just like, but of course, Michael Butner at the MRC didn't see it. Because, you know, I'm not sure what he actually does for a job, but it's not his job. Well, the other good thing about Joe was, too, was he um, kept his head throughout, you know, the whole time. Yeah. Which is good. Mm-hmm. And and 
maybe Joey Tarpany can learn from him because yeah. you know. And Joey, I know you're listening out there. You got to learn that we love you. You are playing fantastic football, but for goodness' sake, if they're trying to shake you up like that, I mean, it's because they're scared, and the most way they're going to be scared is with you still on the field, not off it. Yeah. You know, that, that, and you just got to learn that. But, you know, like, there's a lot of things to love about that match. But, of course, um, there's there's one player that we particularly love. Um, and uh, once more, there are reasons to express why we love him. Bateman! Bateman. And why do we love John Bateman? I'll tell you why we love John Bateman. <clears throat> There's so many reasons. And it wasn't just because he grabbed Cam Smith's face, because that's a great still frame, and it really doesn't justify, you know, it really shows the Melbourne Storm are clutching at straws on that one. But the reason we love John Bateman is when you go back and look at the Papali try, when you look at the Papali try, because it took everyone by surprise that Papali went through, but when you actually look at the replay, Papali knew exactly what he was doing because he was one-on-one with Jerome Hughes, who's the fullback for Melbourne in the headgear, and Josh Papali isn't too concerned about getting through Jerome Hughes by himself. <clears throat> Kenny Bromwich tried to come across and grab him by the legs and hold him up, but it wasn't going to happen. Cameron Smith was there forlornly. But the person on the left-hand side of Jerome Hughes was Dale Finucane. And Dale Finucane should have been in there making that tackle. And had Dale Finucane been in there, there's every chance he would have held him up long enough for the troops to get in and hold up Papali. But what was Dale Finucane doing? He was looking at the danger that he saw in front of him, which was John Bateman. He wasn't concentrating on one of the best four props in the world who was about to receive the ball or possibly about to receive the ball. He wasn't concentrating on the man with the ball. He was looking at the danger that he saw that was John Bateman because he looked at him and says, that guy's crazy. I don't know what he's going to do next. And if I let him off the leash, he's going to do something and he's going to hurt us. And he was looking at John Bateman. He was not looking at Josh Papali. And why was he looking at John Bateman? Because John Bateman is a superstar. He's an absolute superstar and everyone bloody knows it. And that is why we love John Bateman. Blake. Very good. You like that then? Yeah, it's fantastic. But <clears throat> in amongst the things that you know have made me very happy this week, of which there were many, um, there have been a few things that irritated me. In fact, you might say they've ground my gears. You know what really grinds my gears? And do you know what grinds my gears, Blake? Do you know what grinds my gears? Cameron Smith. Yeah, Cameron Smith grinds my gears. Cameron Smith. I think now I think we've covered it mostly in this. It grinds my gears. You know, like if I was as good at anything as Cameron Smith is at playing rugby league, the chances of me engaging in the sort of garbage that he engages in is zero. Anyone, and it really points to integrity. And this is the problem Cam Smith has to wrestle with. And all those purple coloured glass people who are out there saying, oh, he's wonderful this and he's wonderful that and his shit doesn't stink have to recognise that if you've got someone that's that good and is still engaging in that sort of rubbish, are they really that good? And that grinds my gears a little bit because well, you really like He to is think... that good, but it's just his... I don't know whether it's just his personality or his desire to win. I mean, people say, look at you know someone like Ricky Stewart mm. or look at someone like Wally Lewis, mm. and they were very competitive, Wally Lewis, for example. Mm. Yeah. Very, very competitive. Mm. Very, very tough. You watch back some of the test matches and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. You know, when, when swinging arms were all the rage, he was swinging arms as well as anyone. But he was but, also swinging arms in an era if someone didn't like it, they'd get up and job you. Yeah, and it wasn't. he was never a cheap shot merchant. Mm. And that's a difference. You know, yeah. Cameron Smith is doing these little, like, yeah. with the... the 
croaker one with the knee in the semi or whatever. They're just these nasty little cynical cheap it just, shots. It, it really is. It's cheap. It's underhanded rubbish. It's not football. And then when he was, we, when this is further my theory that he's some sort of sociopath, when um, he's asked Cummins about the... Oh, yeah. um, but what the penalty was for, the incredulous laugh that he yeah, does yeah. that just seems so manufactured. It really did sound like Dick da- Darsley. I know. It? it was just, <laughs> rubbish yeah. on the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and good on you, Ben Cummins. I had slagged you off on Twitter earlier in the night and uh, then you turned around and did that. So I have to apologise I just, to I just, I just think, <laughs> rubbish on the face and it was you is one of the great lines from yeah, yeah. and it was you and it was you and it was you look the, the, the NRL after the week they'd had with Melbourne Storm and, and Cam Smith's wife's ring um, the Melbourne Storm losing in that match didn't hurt NRL HQ at all they wouldn't have minded that in the slightest but um, the other thing that ground my gears was Nelson Asafa Solomona now this is a bloke who is a good player there's no question the first time he comes on second stanza isn't as good by any stretch his first stanza is excellent but raising his elbows and everything when you are six foot six tall and you're running in at tacklers with your raised elbows that used to be once upon a time along with tripping a send-off offense yeah but somehow they're doing stuff where they're hitting people in there but that doesn't annoy me quite as much that's something that the nrl has to look at and say if someone does get hit in the neck with that and they go down with it that's a send-off offense because it's above the shoulders yeah and the neck is treated as the same thing but what pissed me off was late in the in the first half when you know like sorry, not late midway through the the first half when all of a sudden the raiders got some possession and started getting a bit of a roll on and started really challenging the storms um uh setup and so on they just dropped a ball i think it was jesse bromwich dropped a ball midfield and we were setting for a scrum and asafa solomona saw that they were needing a bit of time so what he decided to do was he'd cause some trouble. And he literally just went into the middle of that scrum and started pushing the Raiders players. For no other reason, he, he completely started it. There was no question at all. Nothing going on. He started pushing players. And eventually he got to, because he pushed CNK first and he pushed someone else. And then he pushed Tarpanay and said something to him. And Tarpanay said something back. And he leaned forward and he pushed Tarpanay again. And people allege there was a slap in that one as well. There may have been, I, I couldn't see it myself. But he clearly was instigating, at which point Joey Tarpanay loses his excrement, can't find it anywhere, and decides that he's going to try and belt the Sofa Solomona in the head. Now, I don't know what he said. And then the referees, of course, send Ben Joe Tarpanay for the response, but do absolutely nothing to a Sofa Solomona for actually instigating it. That's what um, Hodgson was saying <laughs> in the field. And it's true. He's instigated. He's clearly instigated for no other reason but to get that. And you're going to allow that he's incited a player to do that you're going to send that player off the field for 10 minutes but you're going to leave the guy who caused it to stay on and that shit grinds my gears NRL HQ if someone is deliberately provoking a situation that starts a fight that you send bin someone off for then the person who provokes it has to go to every court in the land looks at provocation in any sentencing they do every single one and when someone is provoked well do you remember remember when Curtis Scott got sent off (laughs) and then (laughs) Dylan Walker got sent to the sin bin with his busted face and that was good and that was one of the the best Dylan no I thought it was fantastic (laughs) and that's because Dylan Walker once the initial fracas had calmed down which Dylan Walker had picked had started and picked when that Calm down, Dylan Walker went around the side and went at Curtis Scott again until Curtis got through the punch. And the thing is, it was brilliant from the referees for sending Dylan Walker off as well at that stage because, yes, Curtis Scott definitely punched him, no question. There's 10 minutes in the bin for you. 
but Dylan Walker picked it. He got punched in the face. He deserved to get punched in the face. And I'm glad he got sin bin for it as well. The NRL needs to start sin binning the people who provoke it because otherwise you're just going to have people, cheap shop merchants, causing fights in order to get someone sin binned. And that is not the intention of the rule. The intention of the rule is to stop fighting and stopping fighting is start stopping the escalation as well. If someone's deliberately escalating, they have to go. And if they don't, your policy is a pile of steaming, festering shit. And it grinds my gears, Greg. Blake, it grinds my gears. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one now, isn't it? That's like, you can slap people in the face, but as soon as you close the fist, mm. you go to the bin. Yeah, I just want to see some jiu-jitsu open, open hand slaps to faces. Well, jiu-jitsu is more grappling. It's not really a striking <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. martial art. But anyway. I don't know. I don't play for the <laughs> Melbourne Storm. I don't know the difference between these things. Um, but was there anything that uh, irritated you this week, Blake? Oh, look, it's just the Melbourne Storm fans. Blake on the Burst this week is about Melbourne Storm fans. Blake on the Burst! Yes, it's about Melbourne Storm fans. And, you know, on Twitter, there there have been a, quite a number of, of ones um, trying to defend the indefensible etc and I actually got a reply from um, Cameron Boyce who apparently plays for the Melbourne Renegades yeah he's a, anyway. apparently he's a cricketer he's got he's bought himself a lot of fans he's got 44 and a half thousand fans but anyway that's just the classic classic response from from a Melbourne Storm supporter who doesn't really know the rules but um there was one tweet um, that I saw that I particularly liked that kind of summed up um, the Melbourne Storm the Melbourne Storm crowd yeah and uh, I just need to find it you know, they were there. Well, Cameron Boyce has basically said that Blake has no idea because he's posted the pictures of Cameron Smith putting um, Simonson's head in a vice and yeah. he said nothing to see him move along. And Boyce has responded and said, you literally have no idea. Yes. And I'm not sure... You 100% con- have no idea. 100% have no idea. So, um, you know, the response I suggested Blake sent back to it is one that I can't even put on this yes. podcast. Um, but I think, you know, it was basically asking about his relationship with Cameron Smith and, you know, like, you know, things that I can't even mention on this podcast because it is, you know, it is, a, you know, an M-rated podcast at times, but uh, that would take it to the X-rated section. But, um, yeah, no, they're, they're particularly, uh, a particular sort. The, it's the, funny, they the remind me a lot of, um, <coughs> of uh, Sydney Swan supporters. In the fact because they don't they, actually know they what's don't going know the on, rules. but they try they they try and try and give you crap at the at the game, and it usually goes along the line of your team sucks, yeah. your team can't play, or yeah. look at the scoreboard. It's like, come on, you got to come up with better with that. Yeah, yeah, you got to like this. I referred to them as the purple people first time I was on grandstand. Like we got complaints in. We're not the purple people. We're the Melbourne. Melbourne Storm supporters like, well, you're all dressed in purple, so you're when, people in purple. When I went down to the um, the 2006 Grand Final, 16, 2000, yeah, 2016, final. yeah, jeez, that was I made a dog's breakfast for that. Um, yeah, uh, well, I called you Greg. <laughs> <laughs> um, I called Cameron Smith a grub at one point in the game, and nice. it was before it was before he before he tried to. Um, further injured Jared Croker but anyway these Melbourne Storm fans fired up and how dare I say that about the you know the greatest player to ever played the game and who was I to call him a grub and I just basically told them to piss off and then it's things got heated and then they settled down as these things do and then we sort of all were friends again and then I spent the rest of the game explaining the rules to them because they kept on saying what was that penalty for what, what, what was that so that's a Melbourne Storm fan. Anyway, this this tweet from Chris Page. I just wanted to read this out. I spent all this time trying to find it. Melbourne Storm crowd equals 15,000 wankers who don't know the rules and one prick with a cowbell. 
I think yeah. that's um, I think that sums up my feelings. Yeah. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. And this this is what and that guy with the cowbell. Oh, he my. is so annoying. And and Tony Mithin actually had to sit behind him at the uh, the final last year, the prelim down there as well, and said he was more annoying right next to it than he could possibly imagine. He had to move, <laughs> um, but he was also you know in the celebrations you know, on Saturday night and said it was one of the greatest sporting moments of his life being being there in that crowd. And to all of you who went down there, you know, travelled down there and made sure you got to the ground and made all that noise, <clears throat> all of us who watched that on telly or listened to it on radio are incredibly grateful that you made that effort because we could hear you. We could hear that noise. And this is something that all of us Raiders supporters have to take forward for the rest of this season. We have to keep making that noise. Regardless of where we are, we have to keep making that noise. We have to keep letting the boys know we're there and supporting them. We have to keep allowing them to rally because they know we're there and on their side and still fighting as well. We have to be the best 18th player we possibly can by getting on the backs of the referees and telling them when things should be going our way and calling the other sides offside. We should be saying when they're lying down, we have to come into our own now and be the loudest freaking crowd we can be and the most intimidating crowd we can be because... We're needed to be there. Our team, our 17 boys that are out there and the coaching staff need us to be. So let's all take our inspiration from those brave souls down at Melbourne and make the most amount of noise we can for the rest of the season every time we're anywhere near the park to make sure our boys know we're there. Good stuff. Yeah, I actually can remember when the Raiders first moved... um, from Seaford Oval to Bruce Stadium, the players actually hearing players talking in the radio, and they were saying the crowd is so quiet. We need the crowd to be more involved. We need mm. the crowd to be louder. And it's you know, the Raiders have been through a lot since that period, but the crowds are some of the most passionate in the league and yep. some of the most loudest in the league. Mm. Mm. And to a large extent, we know the rules. Yes, that does help. And in fact, one of the times that's why Brumby's games are so quiet. Even when they had the huge, yeah, you know, even when they had twenty thousand, yeah, yeah, a crowd of eight thousand, the Raiders would be twice as loud because the people actually knew what are happening on the field yeah. and they're engaged. <clears throat> that's right. And Andre Watson was meaning to insult Canberra when he said oh, we were a rugby league crowd after the two thousand Brumbies final, and it was like that's probably right. We probably know our rugby league rules really well, and you know, you know what we're doing and so on, but. I'm really, really proud of the boys, and I think uh, that gives us many, many reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful, part three. One, two, three. And I think the biggest reason to be cheerful this week, Blake, is that the destiny's in our own hands. If we can beat Manly this weekend, and then either if we can win two out of our remaining three, we will get third spot. Yeah. We will get third spot because our foreign against is so much better than Manly's at this present stage. If we win two matches we will get third spot. And I think that's what we need. I think we need a prelim up in Sydney. I don't think there's any chance the Roosters are going to slip up and Melbourne is too far in front to miss the top two. Um, but we need third spot. We don't want to go down to Melbourne again. Um, we want to go to Sydney because I think that's our best chance of winning that first week. And then, if everything went right, coming back to GIO Stadium for, for a preliminary prelim. final. Incredible. We can get it. This is the first year. A lot of people don't know <laughs> that, but this is the first year where if, if we win... <clears throat> the first week or um, the second week yep. even if we lose we'll, we can have a prelim in Canberra that's right and the great thing too is that now the SFS has been knocked down if we go up to Sydney to play the Roosters in that first week it'll be either at the SCG or the SCG. Olympic Stadium it'll be SCG it, it's going to be one or the other I think there'll be a big push for it to be at the Olympic Stadium um, but there'll be no danger whatsoever of being sold out because it's the Roosters there and um, so we'll be able to go up in numbers for that match, in absolute numbers, and 
paint the place green. You know, we were close last time. We can do it again. So if we can beat Manly this weekend, that will seal, I would say, top third spot. So we need everyone to get out there this weekend, pack the bloody place out, make a lot of noise, get the boys home. Who cares how it's done? You know, like off the worst refereeing decision, off the dodgiest try, I don't care. Two points, get us in that spot, and then we can start preparing for that almighty match. Yeah. And that is a reason to be cheerful. Anyway, you have been listening to the third most popular uh, Raiders podcast on the internet, Raiders View with Blake and the Pork. I'm the Pork. I'm Blake. And we will rant again at you soon. Blake and the Pork. Blake and the Pork. Blake and the Pork. Hello and welcome to Raiders Review with Blake and the Pork. I'm Tim Gore the Pork and I'm... I'm Blake. (laughs) I think I'm cooler than everybody. (laughs)